several years ago, a brand new restaurant opened up here in Muncie called Average Joe's. It was actually built on the property of a restaurant that had burned down and uh, they kind of built it from the ground up. They built it from absolutely nothing at all. The only problem was is that uh, Average Joe's uh, had already been given uh, another restaurant in Indiana had taken that name. And so that restaurant actually got some lawyers together and they claimed restaurant infringement and they told Average Joe's Muncie that they had to change their name. They actually sent them a cease and desist letter. They said, if you don't stop because you're compromising our image, we are going to take you even further and sue you and take your restaurant away from you. Well, obviously, average Joes decided we're not going to go down that path. So they just changed their name to Amazing Joes. And Amazing Joes here in Muncie is an amazing restaurant. Uh, I've never known anyone that doesn't like that place. We eat there regularly, sometimes more than you would want to know. And we love to eat at that place. And the entrepreneurs of that restaurant created something out of nothingness that is just amazing. Now, in the very beginning of Scripture in the book of Genesis, we're told that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were like entrepreneurs. They created something literally out of nothing. There was nothing that had happened ever in this place called the universe. It was formless, it was void, and they came to form something. They leaned in and they began to start working on something that was nothing and they created for six days. And on the sixth day, uh, the father actually puts his hands down into the dirt, into uh, the sand, into the mud that he had created and he started to form what was the first human being. And scripture says this, That God said, let us make man and woman in our image. Now it's interesting that it says us. Because God, although there is one Godhead, there is this um, different kind of substances of God the Father, the one that creates. God the Son, who is the one who redeems all things. And God the Spirit that comes to comfort us and to be present with us. And they begin to create everything and they go at it for six days with the pinnacle being you, a human being who is a masterpiece. That's who you are. And then at the end of that, they stepped back and they looked at everything that they had created and they said, it is good. It is very, very good. And then on the seventh day, they took a day off and they rested. Now, Uh, God didn't rest because God was tired and like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. Like creating people is hard work and it just finally wore me out so much so I just couldn't, you know, go on anymore. No, 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 no. 
God rested. The reason that he rested, the reason that he chose to actually be still is because he was creating a brand new culture that he wanted human beings to understand. That if you want to flourish in this thing called life, you'll take a day to pull back and to chill. If you want to enjoy this thing called life and to live it for a long time, you'll take a day a week to actually replenish your soul. It was this whole idea that they would pull back. And if you think about it, the very first day of human beings was a day of rest. They're created on the sixth day, and the next day God says, take it easy, just rest. Can you imagine going to your boss if you got hired by them and said, you know, I'd like the first day of my work week to be a day of rest. Uh, But that's what God did for us. He loved us that much that he said, I want this to be a part of your actual cycle. Folks, right from the very beginning, God wanted us to rest in his presence. And he created a word called Sabbath. In Hebrew, it is the word Shabbat. And what it means is to cease and desist. To rest, to stop, to actually pull back and to take a moment. And that's what I want to do today. We're in this series called Fresh Start, and we've talked about having a fresh start in many areas. And one of the areas that I think many of you probably need is a fresh start when it comes to your rest. You know, we wear busyness like a badge of courage, like this badge of honor that the more busy we are and the more doing that we're having and the more that we're climbing, that all of a sudden, good boy, good boy, good girl, good girl, attaboy, girl, just, just wear yourself out. Absolutely just do everything you can until you die. And the reality is that's not the way that God intended us to live as human beings. You know, for so many of us, the speed of our life is out of control. We're constantly going and going. And you know what you're skimming on? You're actually skimming on the most important relationships in your life. The relationships with your spouse. The relationships with your kids. The relationships with your family, with friends. Because we're so exhausted, we don't have time for that. And I wonder, if God were to look down upon creation today, he might say, you know what, you're compromising my image. You're compromising what I intended you to be. He might actually send to each of us today a cease and desist kind of letter. You see, folks, the way that we pull off this thing called life is not by working more and harder and putting everything into our schedule. It's actually about pulling back and honoring the Sabbath. And my greatest desire for every single person in this auditorium today and everyone on the stream is that you would take a hard look at your life and you would say, today I'm going to actually have a fresh start when it comes to Sabbath, to actually pulling back, to giving a day of rest for myself. Because you flourish the most, folks, when you actually pull back one day and you, you chill in the midst of that. So for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is give you three scriptures and then three questions for you to ask yourself and then three practical steps of how you can live out this thing called Sabbath. 
Now, our first story is found in Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible. And uh, God has created his people, and they finally came up with a name called the Israelites. And the Israelites lived a a wonderful life for many, many uh, decades and hundreds of years until finally, though, Egypt comes and they take over the entire country of Israel and they force them into slavery. And it wasn't just any kind of slavery, but it was a slavery that they had to work making bricks every single day of their life. And it wasn't just for a few years, but it was for 430 years. So great, 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 great grandma, all the way down to the present people, all they had ever known was creating bricks, making bricks. And if they did not produce enough, they were often beaten or whipped or shamed or abused. So think about that. For 430 years, seven days a week, all you know is making brick after brick after brick. That's what your identity is. My identity is what Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt, says it is. And what my identity is, is that I make bricks. It's what I produce. And the father's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I created you to be. I created you to be more than that. And God says, okay, what we're going to do is I want you to understand that your identity is in me. And so God does this miracle. He takes his people and he actually gets them out of Egypt. And they cry out to him and he answers their prayers. You know, the truth is that's what God does with you and me. That if you are consistent in your prayer life, you may not see the circumstances change overnight, But over time, it actually does because God wants to honor us. And the Red Sea actually opens up. God takes his people out of it and he brings them to the promised land. And they're wondering in the midst of this, what is our new world going to be like? If we're not in slavery, how are we going to handle freedom? Then when they get to this place of freedom, the first thing they do is not look up to God and say, oh, God, thank you so much that we are free. The very first thing that they do is they look to their leader, Moses, and they go, we're hungry. We're like really hungry. Like, what are you going to do with our hunger? I mean, think about that. That's kind of like us, right? God answers a prayer, and many times the first thing we don't do is go, oh, God, thank you so much. We're like, all right, what do you got next? Like, what is the next thing that you're going to do for me? And so Moses is, you know, dealing with these people, and they're hungry, and God says, I love them so much, I'll do something for them. And he actually comes up with this idea that he will send down a substance called manna. And they would take this substance, they would work it together, and it became like this honey-type bread. And he said, I'm only going to give you enough for today. You've got to trust me for tomorrow. But every day, I want you to go and collect it. It's about a pint. You'll mix it together. You'll make it happen. And then you'll bring it into your tent, fix it all up, and you can have it for that day. But on the sixth day, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take two portions, not just one. Because on the sixth day, I want you to make all of the bread on that day. And on the seventh day, you're going to rest just like I rested. I'm going to teach you how to rest once again. Because you've been working for Pharaoh, the mean king that tells you just keep on producing, keep on working. But I'm not going to do that. 
And so in Exodus chapter 16, verse 23, Moses said this, this is what the Lord commanded. This isn't just what God wants you to do. He says, this actually is what's best for you. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And so God says, again, you know what? For six days, I want you to work. But on the seventh day, I want you to rest. And on that day, come with two portions on the sixth day so that you cook everything. And on the seventh day, you can rest on the Sabbath day. And I'm going to teach you once again how to rest. Now, when the Hebrew people found this out, they actually got quite kind of overwhelmed. They're like, what are you talking about? Like all we've ever known is work and making bricks. And now you're wanting us to do something totally different to rest. That's not our identity at all. You're going to ask us to actually pull back when that's not where we find our worth. We've got a quota we got to make. We actually have to make these bricks enough to where that's why our identity is produced. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not where your identity is. It's not in what you produce, but it's in your relationship with me. You see, I'm nothing like Pharaoh. When I look at you, I don't want you to produce a whole bunch of stuff and you think that becomes your identity. I actually want you to find your identity and your rest in me as my treasured child, my treasured son, my treasured daughter. A Pharaoh wants you to find your identity in what you produce, but what I want you to find your identity is in me. And that's what Sabbath does. Sabbath actually helps us to find that our identity is not in the things that we produce. But it's in the one who knows us best and who loves us most. You know, many of us resist Sabbath or actually taking a day to pull back and to chill because we don't understand it. And so I want to ask you some big questions about this today. And here's the first one to ask yourself. Who is your Pharaoh? When it comes down to your identity of who you are, who is your Pharaoh? Now, you might be asking, what are you talking about, Bunch? So let me tell you a story. Uh, Johnny Cash, who was maybe the greatest kind of musician and artist uh, of his time, uh, is a person, if you ever read his biographies or you watch the movie Walk Across the Line, you'll learn that his oldest brother died at a very young age. And Johnny's dad actually told him one day, I wish you would have died and not your brother. And so Johnny takes this angst and this belief that he had no worth because his dad actually said, I wish you were dead uh, rather than my other son. And you can often hear it through many of the lyrics of his songs. Well, the day comes where Johnny becomes very successful as a musician and he actually is able to buy a house. He buys a great big house. He moves his wife, June, in and the family, and he's all excited. And he brings his dad over, and he's so excited, and he starts asking his dad, well, dad, what do you think? What do you think of the house? Isn't it cool? Is it big enough? What do you think? And the dad kind of looks around, and then he says simply this, it's nice, but it's just a house. And Johnny said he remembers coming up out of the table on that day, and he realized he was never going to be able to please his father. And the truth is, the Pharaoh that he had been trying to please his entire life, was his dad. So let me ask you this morning, who is your Pharaoh? Who is the person that you try to produce for all the time? Maybe it's your boss. 
Maybe it's one of your parents. Maybe it's your kids. You're trying to please them all. Maybe it's a lie from your past where someone told you, you know what? The truth is you're just not enough. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to prove then that I'm more than enough. And you've been doing that your entire life trying to produce something. What's the thing that won't allow you to turn your mind off? What's the thing that finds you always finding your identity in what you can produce? What is the thing that you allow yourself to disconnect from when it comes with work? What do you allow yourself to do? What's that thing that you keep climbing for, you keep striving for, you keep wanting to have more within that, that you're performing? What is that thing? You know, Sabbath. It wants to go after whatever that thing is. The Sabbath wants you to stop bowing down to the Pharaoh that you're trying to please and to begin to start receiving the love of the Father and resting in his presence. The next passage is found in Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's the fifth book of the Bible in the Old Testament. And the whole theme of Deuteronomy can come down to one word. Some of you are like, well, that's great. I don't ever have to read that book of the Bible again. I've got the thing. Well, I'd encourage you to read it anyways. But Deuteronomy, the theme of that whole thing is one word. And the word is remember. Remember, remember, remember. And what Moses does is he's telling the people of Israel, remember what God did for you. Remember when he took you out of Egypt. Remember, 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 because Moses knows what you and I know. And it's this, we are good at remembering the things we ought to forget and forgetting the things we ought to remember. Some of you should take a picture of the screen right now, or if you're on the stream, just kind of screenshot it because you need to remember this. We are good at remembering the things that we ought to forget and let go and forgetting the things that we actually ought to remember. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 5, is the story is told of Moses giving the Ten Commandments. And these ten phrases, these ten ideas, these ten words are given. What's interesting about the Ten Commandments is that the first three commandments are all about our relationship with God, this vertical relationship. The last six are all about our relationship with other people and how we should treat them. And then number four, kind of like right in the middle, is this commandment about the Sabbath because the Sabbath is the longest of the commandments because it doesn't just... Focus on our relationship with God vertically, but with others as well. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. It says this, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Set apart as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, what's the next word? Not do any work. Neither you, nor your son, or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any other animals. I guess your dogs get the day off on that day, you know? Nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. So this whole passage in Deuteronomy deals with work. Six days you should work. But you should set apart one day as a day of rest. And you can't have others working for you either. Just a day to chill, to encourage, to relax, to take a moment. 
You, folk, you see, folks, every seven days we have a priority test. We get to choose whether we're going to take one day to pull back and actually decompress and not do stuff, or we're just going to keep doing more and more and more. And in our culture, there are two groups of people when it comes to Sabbath. The first group of people are a group of people that says, you know what, from point A to point B, from A to B, I need seven days. For me to get all the work that I need to get done, I've just got to do it all in seven days. So they're constantly on the go doing something from A to B. It takes them seven days. There's another group of people, though, that says, no, those people are idiots. And the other group actually says, well, you're an idiot because you're going to do that. And this is what they do. They say, no, for me to accomplish from A to B, I only need six days. And what I believe is that if I honor God with that one day, he'll actually take me to a place that I can't even come to, which is C, some uncharted territory in the midst of that. Well, what Moses is trying to remind these people with this commandment was that God was asking for his people that if you want to live a full life, a flourishing life, go at it for six days and then give one day of rest. To give one day to chill. And so the second question that you have to ask yourself is this. How many days do you need in a week? Do you need seven to do all the work or is it six? How many days do you need in your work week? Six or seven? You know, uh, the one device that tries to keep us working 24 hours a day is this device. We have a phone that wants to keep us connected with everything information-wise all the time. That we need to be accessible all the time. That no matter what's going on, we've just got to know. And people will stay glued to this entire 24-7, 365 days a year. They, they just use it all the time. The device is something that we always want to be reachable and we can't be alone. And I'm just asking you, do you have a day where you ever take this or an hour or maybe two where you just take it and you cease and you rest and you delight and you tell that thing, stay. I'm not allowing you to control my life. You stay. Or do you have the pedal to the metal and you're always being accessible to anyone and everyone 24-7, 365 days a week? Now, some of you have listened so far and you're like, Chris, you're in fairyland world. I don't know what you're teaching on today, but that was like a long time ago. But I need 168 hours every week to get the things done that I need to get done. What are you talking about? This idea of resting, pulling back, actually having a Sabbath day of rest. And yet this is really what Sabbath wants you to wrestle with. That you need to ask yourself, is one day a week enough for me to pull back? And each of those days that I'll do that. Because the truth is, who are you serving? Like, who is it that you're serving if you're working all seven days and you're constantly focused on other things? I mean, do you ever take a day to just rest 
in the one who created you. Last scripture, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 and 11. Uh, it's in uh, the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. The writer says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his or her own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter this rest. Folks, there is rest that is available to you in a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is rest that is available to you. There is an opportunity for you to actually experience his presence when you slow down the RPMs and you take a moment to rest. And I'm here to tell you that Sabbath is that invitation. That you actually choose to rest in the presence of God. So here's the last question for you to ask yourself. What effort are you making to rest? When it comes to you and your world, what efforts are you making to rest? Is it a value for you? Or is it a higher value for you to produce and produce and to make Pharaoh happy, whoever your Pharaoh is? To keep pushing, pressing, pulling, pleasing others, trying to make everyone else happy, to kind of be in control so that you can do it all in seven days. But if you keep doing this, I'm telling you, what's going to happen if you keep doing it all the time? Something inside of you breaks. And the people that are closest to you notice it. Sometimes they tell you, sometimes they don't. But if you go at a breakneck pace, you break something within yourself. So how do you do it? How do you keep the Sabbath? How do you rest? I mean, if you work in a factory and you're getting overtime all the time, you're like, oh, I got to have the money. How do you rest? If you work in an office, whether it's in a dental office or a doctor's office or uh, some kind of business office, like how do you do that when you're constantly on the go? How do you do it, uh, you know, if you're a stay-at-home parent and you've got all of the responsibilities of everything that's going on? How do you do it if you own your own business and you're like, yeah, but we have to make production, Chris. How do we do that? How do you do this thing? Well, let me give you kind of crib note version style three things to do. Because I know a lot of you, when it came to to having to read, you know, Jane Eyre back in the day, you didn't do that, did you? You just took the crib notes. So I'm going to give you crib notes on Sabbath because I'm afraid that you might not read everything in the Bible about Sabbath. So here's your crib notes on Sabbath to do an experiment this week. The first word is this, cease, cease. Simply put, what I want to challenge you this week is to take maybe an hour, maybe two on a particular day where you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to take this thing. And I'm going to put it down. I'm going to say, stay. And I'm going to be unavailable to everyone. And I'm just going to rest in God's presence. You have to choose the day because the day won't choose you. We are way too busy to ever think that Sabbath is just going to happen. You have to plan it. We have to make a choice. Jesus said this, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. Folks, you have to be intentional in picking what day you're going to seize in the midst of that. The second part of the crib note version to experiment with is after you cease, then you rest. How do you rest in the presence of God? 
That's what God wants us to do, to take a moment where we rest, that we take it easy, that we chill in that moment. Well, I'm telling you, if you're going to do that, you've got to disconnect. You've got to unplug. You actually have to take this, put it somewhere and say, no, for an hour or two, I'm going to be unavailable. I'm going to rest in the presence of God. Some of you right now are just having kind of anxiety attacks, aren't you? What do you mean? What? My kids couldn't get a hold of me. Tell your spouse. I don't have a spouse. Tell your parents. Well, I don't have parents. Well, tell the principal at the school. If my kid gets in trouble, figure it out. You know, I'm having some rest in the midst of this. You know, when I rest on my Sabbath day, which will be tomorrow, what I do is I take some time where I read some scripture that I'm not trying to get a sermon on or some kind of teaching, and then I just sit. And I have a lazy boy chair that's in our room, and I put it back, I lay back, and I just sit in my chair, and I rest in God's presence. The most rest I get in the week is not when I'm sleeping at night, it's when I'm in that chair. So maybe you need a moment in a chair. Maybe for some of you, what you could do is worship. You love music, you love to do that, the lyrics of those songs, it makes you rest in his presence. Maybe for others of you, it's walking outside and you see God's creation and you rest in that presence. Maybe for others of you, you paint or you're artistic. And when you do that, it takes you away from the noise of the world and you're able to rest in the midst of that. But do something which you rest in the presence of God. And when you do, the RPMs go down and you're able to actually flourish in this thing called life. So you cease, you rest, and then finally... You delight. One of the trickiest things for you and I to do as human beings, especially in the United States, is to delight. Because so often it says, no, no, you don't have time to delight. You've got to keep working. But if you remember, what did the Father do? The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, after they created everything, they looked at everything they created and they stepped back and they delighted in what they had created. They said, it is good, very good. One of the things that my wife does on her Sabbath is she loves to read. So she gets out her Kindle book and she just reads and she just rests in stories, sometimes not biblical ones, sometimes just other stories, not Harlington romances or anything like that, all right? But she'll just read different things and just be like, ah, you know, it, it helps me to rest. My mom, uh, she often would actually, uh, she loved art. And where she would rest is she would take a canvas and she would paint and she would make things out of God's creativity. And that's how she rested. For me, the way that uh, I do it is I love to be outside. And so tomorrow is my Sabbath day. However long it takes me to get everything done here at church today, I'll take 24 hours and I will not do work for the jar over the next 24 hours. And in that time, I just rest. And I told you, I read some scripture, I, I pray, I journal some things, and then I love to go outside and run. And sometimes uh, after I run, uh, I just enjoy being in God's presence. And so I'll go into uh, our wooded area in the back and I'll pick up sticks or, you know, when it's summer, I'll mow the yard or something that just makes me relax because it, it helps me to do that. And on some days when I'm feeling really manly, I get out my chainsaw. And I'll start cutting some wood. Now, on those days, my my wife is not relaxing. She's got the phone close at hand, ready to call 911, because I'm not mechanical at all. But I love to be outside. I love to be in creation, because it makes me rest in God's presence. And I can do that. It releases me, 
and I can delight in his presence. So, what can you do to delight in God this week? You've got to fight for it. But as you experience it, it will fuel your soul. You see, the thing is, we think, well, if I take some time off and I pull back, I'm not going to get it. Actually, folks, it's totally the opposite way. It actually fuels your soul. You're actually more productive when you take that day away. All kinds of stats outside of the Christian world tell us that. And you know, over the next six days, you will have to wrestle with this question. If God obeyed the Sabbath, is he asking me to obey it too? If God obeyed the Sabbath, is he asking you to obey it too? Folks, God didn't give us the Sabbath as some kind of religious thing to kind of weigh us down as a duty, but he actually did it as a gift so that we could flourish in this thing called life. So honestly, when you look at your life, are you flourishing? Are you flourishing as you go through your week? Are you taking time to actually rest and unplug and just to be, you know, it's human beings, folks, not human doings. God created you to be, to actually relax at times. Are you constantly on the go and you're stressed out and you're maxed out and you're overwhelmed constantly? I believe God has something much better for you. And it begins with the Sabbath fresh start. So right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to practice it this week. We're going to bring the lights down just for a second. So if we could bring the lights down. And what I'd like you to do is to pause and to relax and to allow yourself to cease and rest and delight. And if there are thoughts that come into your mind, say, God, please take those away right now of I've got to get dinner ready or I've got lunch to do or I've got to get my kid to this thing and just say, no, God, I'm going to rest in this moment. One of the practices that I do is an ancient one called palms up, palms down. And what it does is basically you could try it right now if you'd like, where you just put your palms out and you allow them to be up and you say, God, I want to rest in your presence right now. And whatever distraction, if I start thinking about something else, I simply put my palms down and I say, God, I I don't want to focus on anything else but you right now. And so we're going to give you a moment uh, to rest, to cease, and to light in God right now. So if you just close your eyes, palms up, just take a moment.
Loving God, thank you so much for the gift of Sabbath. Help us this week to consider experimenting in this for the rest of the year. And maybe today you're sitting there and you're like, man, I've not felt that kind of peace in a long time. And you just gave me like a few seconds, but I want that. And maybe your Pharaoh is getting in the way. And today, maybe you're like, I want to change though, Chris. I want to have some moments where I'm at peace and I'm at rest and and I can do that. And if you're there, but you're like, I need help. I can't do it on myself. I I need God's help for me to rest in his presence. I can't do it. I'm, I'm too much of an adrenaline junkie to just keep going and going and going. But I really want to learn how to do that. But I need God's help. I'm going to invite you in this moment right now just to close your eyes. And if that's you, that you just raise your hand and say, God, I want to learn how to rest in your presence. Even if it's just an hour this week to where I can just take a moment to rest and be present with you. Let me pray for you. Loving God, I pray right now that you would help each person know that when they take some Sabbath time, they're not being lazy, they're not being unproductive, but they're actually adding to their life. Give them strength right now to pull themselves away from the things of this world and actually put in their schedule a time of rest, to rest in you, to allow them to be filled by your presence and help them, God, to cease to rest and to delight in the things of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. Now, the truth is, maybe you've never rested in God. You've tried to find your rest in other things, like my work or with alcohol, maybe with drugs, maybe with sex, maybe with, uh, you know, trying to get more money and more things. And you just keep trying to do more and more and more and more. And you've never found rest in God. And there's a void in your life. And that's what the void is. You haven't made a commitment to Christ. And maybe today is the day where you would actually say, no, no, no. I want to rest in God. I want his presence. I want his peace. I want to surrender to him for him to be the one who is my one and only. I need his love. I need his grace. I need the rest of him. I I need the presence of God in my life. And if that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But it's not a prayer, but that you pray by yourself. But it's one that we pray together in community. And I invite you to repeat this prayer after me. And you won't pray it by yourself, but if you feel comfortable doing so, that you just repeat this prayer, that God, I want you in my life. Just repeat after me. God, thank you for sending Jesus over 2,000 years ago to save my life. (laughs) Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. (laughs) Amen.